As we come together, we're not going to unpack everything that John's just read from us, so relax a little bit. I'm just going to take one verse, one verse to build on where we were last time as we develop this idea of being fruitful on our front line, as we're calling it and linking it to our mission and our vision statement this year, SOS, Showing Our Saviour. That wherever we find ourselves, whatever we do, we're reflecting him in the attitude that we have and in the actions that we do. And so we're building on the need to seek our Saviour, to share our Saviour, to feel more and more secure in our Saviour so that we can grow in our ability to show our Saviour. And you remember the text of Last week, which is our text for the whole year, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I think we've got those uh, motto cards with us this week, so please don't go without one. Make sure that you put it somewhere that you can uh, memorize it, take it to heart, so that we can build upon it together. We don't know what will happen, of course, but the point is that whatever does happen, be that from our perspective, whether we think it's good or bad, whether we think it's something to be enjoyed or something to be endured, something that we might have expected or not expected, something that we might imagine to be big or something very small, within whatever happens, within that is the opportunity of showing our Savior, of being fruitful on our front lines, that without that particular thing happening, we wouldn't get the opportunity for. So don't miss it when it comes along, where annoying interruptions can become, for us, great introductions to somebody. The very person you think is breaking up your day may be actually the very person whose day God wants you to make. Where seeming failure can actually lead to an unexpected breakthrough. That because you failed in something, God has got you to the place where he can allow you to succeed in something else. Where our disappointments become God's appointment with us. You remember that old Bing Crosby song, Accentuate, I won't ask you to sing it. Accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, latch on to the affirmative, and don't mess with Mr. In between, And there's a tendency sometimes that we can look at whatever happens to us quite negatively, whereas if we're going to be fruitful on our front lines, we've got to understand that actually it's not happening by chance. Within what's happening is God's affording us the opportunity to do something fruitful for him. So I hope you're not here this morning as someone who believes that life itself is a burden to be endured. I hope you're not here with that sense of hopelessness. I hope you're not here too as somebody that perhaps thinks that life is just a battle to be escaped. I hope that you're here as somebody this morning who understands that life is a blessing to be enjoyed. That's how God wants us to know it. That's how God wants us to show it, and I believe it's how God wants us to go out and live it. To live it as Jesus came to give it to the full. Why settle 
for half measures. But we can't show his life, can we, until first we know our life in the Lord Jesus himself. In whom, says Paul here, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell. And when you possess Christ, you possess life. Life that is ours to know in all its fullness, because in Jesus, God has given us life in all fullness. Amen? This is what we're about. This is what we're thinking through in terms of the big picture for us to understand as we look at fruitfulness on the front line. To get the sense that it's just not what happens to us that affords us the platform to show our Saviour, but also the fact that we can shine in Him whatever it is we do. So Paul puts it like this. And this is a verse we'll just unpack a little bit. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. It's not a long verse, is it? Paul says it slightly differently in the uh, Colossians. That's the wrong text up there. Whatever you do, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. And it's all about being fruitful. So we looked at this verse together in the mingles this week. Remember, this is to my Father's glory, says Jesus, in John 15, when he declares himself to be the vine. And we're the branches that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're working for. And can I suggest that being fruitful, so that you're fully clear on this, being fruitful isn't any attitude, any word, any action that pleases God and brings glory to him. And in the weeks to come, what we're going to do, remember, as we mingle together, we read the book, okay? We work through the, 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 the program of fruitfulness. What we're doing is we're going to be looking at modeling godly character, remember? Making good work, ministering grace and love, molding culture, being a mouthpiece for truth and justice and a messenger of the gospel. And because Mark Green has used the letter M to alliterate his thoughts for us through the book as he lays for us or gives us the framework for fruitfulness, I thought if we're going to show and go with the knowledge of who we know in Jesus as the life that people need to experience for themselves, then we would do perhaps well this morning to continue using the letter M to unpack that one verse that I mentioned earlier. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And let's see how it comes together in that particular verse. Underlying this very simple thought then. If we're going to be fruitful on the front line, we've got to understand the mission that marks us. What is the mission that marks us? Paul says, whatever you do. Whatever you do. Whatever you do, that's the mission that marks you and me. Mission for us as both knowers and showers of the life that we have in Jesus does not come down to some things that we do or a few special tasks that we're asked to undertake. No, says Paul, whatever we do is our mission for him. You're on mission now. Here, 
When you leave and go to coffee, you're on mission for the Lord. When you leave the building, you're on mission for the Lord. You're never not on mission. I don't know if that encourages you or disheartens you, but it thrills me. Because everything that I am and everywhere that I go is on mission for the Lord. I love what Mark uh, Green himself writes in the book Fruitfulness. He says this, We live to glorify God, and God is glorified as his character, his priorities, his goodness, and indeed his power are expressed, shown through our everyday lives. You see, our mission does not come with a dividing line between what some people like to call the sacred and the secular. There is no dividing line like that written in Scripture. There is sacred and there's sinful, but there's no secular. We can take what God has given us and blessed us with, and we can abuse it. But everything that we do ought to be on mission for him and marks us out. All ground is sacred ground. Every bush is a burning bush. Each day is a holy day. Every job, everything that we do ought to be an act of worship because we are priests. And a priest offers what he does to God. I'm not the priest of Shirley Baptist Church. We're all priests in Shirley Baptist Church. So whatever we do in the mission that marks us out, before it can be a blessing to anybody else, it ought to be offered first and foremost to the Lord. That's why it's a dangerous thing just to rush out of the house in the morning and think that you've got a thousand things to do because you're never going to be fruitful in those thousand things until first you've done the one thing of offering your day and your life and your opportunity to the Lord. Whatever you do... And yet, I think, even inadvertently, we can often leave the impression with people that God cares about some things more than he cares about other things. That that Sunday is a more special day than Monday. That being a pastor is a higher calling than being a plumber. That singing a hymn is more spiritual than listening to the radio that sitting in church is better than surfing the internet. And folks, there's a wonderful theological word for all of that. Tosh. (laughs) Tosh. I don't know what it is in the Greek, but in the English, it is absolute tosh. Because that's not what God expects from us at all. It's wherever we are. And whatever we do, we are on mission for the Lord. And yet we can be sucked into the idea that what we do becomes the means to the end and lose the sense that the very thing that we're doing is an end in and of itself. It's one of the great things that I love about coming to Wacky Wednesdays here. And guess when it's on? On a Wednesday. (laughs) And Wild Wild Wednesday and the Friday Club. I love going along and being among the young people there each and every week. And I love to engage myself in the activities. 
and to be a part of the games and all the different things that those young people do that they have fun with. But those activities, those games, those bits of artwork, they are not the bait to get the young people in to listen to the stories of Jesus. They are as much the blessing in being in that group as listening to the stories of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's in everything we do. Whatever we do, we're on mission. We're on mission. And we want our young people to know that we're as passionate about them doing the game as we are in telling the story. We want the world to know that we're as passionate about showing the love of Jesus out where we are as we're passionate about being here week in and week out. We need the fellowship. In a world that is so hard to live in, we need the support and encouragement from one another that we get when we come together to worship God. But God forbid that we're any less passionate on mission outside as we are on mission inside in our service for the Lord. Every place is our mission field and every moment is our possibility. As John said, 24-7, it's whole life discipleship. And Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians simply because there were people coming into the church at Colossae at that time who were suggesting that actually these things are more sacred than these things. These things are more pleasing to God than these things. And those lines, says Paul, are not lines that God ever draws. I know there's a tendency sometimes to measure other people's spirituality by what we think they're doing or what we think they're not doing. Those lines don't exist in Scripture because the mission that marks us out is in everything we do. Everything that we do. As time's moving on, let's just rush forward to the second thing that I want to mention here this morning. Not just the mission that marks us, but also the motive that moves us. Because this is important too, says Paul. For it's not just in what you do that counts, but more especially, the reason that you do it. You can do even a good thing in a bad way. And so Paul says, the motive that moves us ought to be what? For the glory of God. That if what we're about to do, if where we're about to go, if what we're about to suggest, if what we're about to exhibit does not bring glory to God, then that particular thing is something that we don't want to do. Because it doesn't put us on mission for God. It actually deflects the gospel in the eyes and hearts and minds of people away from God. We need that high motive, do we not? To give God the glory. The word there is weight. Anything that does not add weight to God's glory, God's goodness, God's grace in the hearts and minds of other people are things that we need to step back from. Because our motive on mission, what really should move us, is that in what we're about to do, God is pleased. 
That as Paul puts it to the Colossians in verse 10 here of chapter 1, that we walk in a way that is worthy. We live in a way that is worthy of the Lord. It's a great motive, isn't it? It's a great, great motive. And we need to be given over to it because there are some things that we don't necessarily want to do or find easy to do, but we're willing to do when we know that what we're about to do is for God's glory. Some of you know that when I've got the grandchildren round, which can be often on a Sunday afternoon, some of you will know that the one thing that granddad's not allowed to do after lunch is to go to sleep. The very thing that granddad does want to do, he's not allowed to do. Because the moment we finish lunch, out comes the big box full of Thomas the Tank Engine train track. And granddad is expected to get on the floor and build as big a track as he possibly can to excite those kids for the next hour. Now, you know, I'm being perfectly honest with you. There are times when that's the last thing that I want to do. But, you know, many a time I found myself getting down on the floor and building that, this track. And I know in my mind, I'm saying to myself, you know, Lord, this one is for you. <laughs> this one is for you. It's not for them, it's for you. And you know why I say that? Because I believe with all my heart, and I honestly do, that the life of Jesus in me is better reflected to my grandchildren when I'm on the floor building that track and playing with them and enjoying it with them than it ever would be reflected if I just laid on the sofa and went asleep. Do you you hear what I'm saying? The answer is yes, Sean, we do. But I know that you're there. And you say, "Is is that too simple? No. Whatever you do, whatever you do, that's the mission that marks us. Do it for the glory of God, because that's the motive that ought to move us. As Paul says, and what a great verse, everything was made by him, Jesus, and everything was made for him. So that whatever you do, you do it in a way that he's going to be blessed. Isn't that marvelous? You know, we got a great God, And when we show our Saviour, we want what we do to reflect just what a great and marvellous God he truly is. Why? Because Paul says, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. The old versions used to say preeminence. Not that just that he's present in your life, not just that he's president over your life, that he's preeminent, he's supreme in your life, first in your thinking, first in your playing, first in your working, first in your dreaming, first in your spending, first in your living, because he is the motive that moves us into mission. The poet said, Lord, may I live that all may see the love of Christ revealed in me and help me flee from all sin and shame, lest others scoff at your dear name. And then the last thing for me to mention this morning, as we move from the mission that marks us, whatever you do, to the motive that moves us, For the glory of God, can I just underline it with this? Do it all, the means that makes us. Because God is going to get no glory 
There's going to be no fruit on our front line if we never do it. <laughs> if we never go, if we never say, if we never, if we never seek the Lord for a verse from Scripture that might take us to the park and teach us that picking up litter can be the best ministry opportunity we're ever going to have. Because the means that makes us is in the doing of what we have ambition and motivation for. We can be motivated, but if it just settles at good intention, what does it achieve? We've got to act on what we know to be true. And because we're not equipped in and of ourselves, but we're equipped in and of Jesus Christ, in whom all fullness has been given, and in knowing him, we can now live life to the full. It's as we remain in him that we begin to bear the fruit that brings honor and glory to him. But you've got to be in him. You've got to abide with him so that his life comes through you and your life becomes a branch of great fruitfulness to his glory because you're not equipped in yourself to be able to do it. To be able to do it. I'm not asking anybody to go out here this morning determined in your own strength and in your own power to try and impress other people with the knowledge that you've got of God. I'm not asking you to do that at all. I'm asking you to find your life and your rest in Jesus Christ so he can quite naturally express himself through you because it's his strength that gets the job done. So when I say go and do it, I'm not trying to tell you, go and give it your best shot. I'm trying to tell you, abide in Jesus Christ and let him do it through you. Because outside of that strength, it's never going to happen. Do any of you go back this far, I'll finish with this, any of you go back far enough to silent movies? Some of you are too embarrassed to admit it. <laughs> but I think the silent movies, some of them were really good. Do any of you remember the, the movie on the life of Jesus that was Silent King of Kings? Any of you? Some of you are just saying, I'm not telling him how old I am. <laughs> well, if you ever see, I've seen that film, and it was, it was very well known in its day. The guy who played Jesus was a chap called H.B. Warner. H.B. Warner, Cecil D. 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 DeMille, he picked him for the part of playing Jesus. He was just 19 years of age at the time. It's the same chap, because some of you, if you don't go quite back that far, you go back, don't you, to What a Wonderful Life. You know the Christmas film? And do you remember the guy in the film who played the pharmacist? You know, who, uh, because he just lost his son in the war, almost poisoned somebody, if George Bailey <laughs> had not recognised it. Is this ringing any bells with any of you? Hey. Give me some encouragement at least. Come on. I'm dying up here. No, I'm not. Do you know, that's the same guy. A little bit older, but that's the guy I'm talking about. H.B. Warner. Now, when he took on the role that he was given, Cecil B. DeMille said, you, in doing the role, must be seen to live out the role in your own life. And so H.B. Warner, he wasn't a believer, but he was told by the director... There are certain places you can't go. There are certain things that you can't do. And even when you come into the studio, we've got to make sure there's blinds down on the vehicle that we're bringing you into because we want that sense of true holiness that was there in Jesus to be seen 
in you. And he built into his contract that for five years after doing the film, he wasn't allowed to take on any other film role that would have lessened the impact of him being Jesus in the silent film King of Kings. Now imagine that. The problem is, of course, he couldn't possibly do it. He couldn't possibly do it. And the pressure that he was put under to try and live out the Christ life without knowing the Christ sent him back to the bottle because he was a recovering alcoholic. Now, the means that makes us is in the doing of it, is recognizing our front lines as being any place, anywhere, anytime, any opportunity we've got to let Christ reflect himself through us. And if you're trying in your own strength to do it, folks, it's never going to happen. You just end up feeling more depressed, more guilty, you know, more uncertain about your own walk with the Lord. And so all I'm saying to you is, as I encourage you to go out and do it, all I'm saying to you is, it happens as you let the fullness of Christ fill you by his Spirit. So that you simply become the branch that displays the fruit to his glory of what is possible when you know that you can't, but you're more and more sure of what he can. Amen? Amen? What front line are you going to hit this week? I don't know. Where are you going to be? What are you going to be doing? How do I know? All I'm saying to you is I want you to be fruitful on that front line. How is it possible for you to show your saviour? Understand the mission that marks you. Whatever you do, you're on mission. You haven't come to a service. You're going out to serve. Understand the motive that ought to move you. Lord, is this pleasing to you? And understand the means that makes you. Lord, I need you so that I can do it. And I'm looking to you for the strength, support, encouragement for me to do it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, bless you for your word. Oh, we know these things. But Lord, we don't simply want to be a branch that withers. We want to be a branch that flourishes. Not because people notice us, we're just a branch. But because they can see in us the fruitfulness of a life that's lived to the full in you. That, that sense of your patience, of your faithfulness, of true self-control, of gentleness, of love and joy and peace. Everything of you that flows through us as we remain in you. Help us, Lord, to live a life that is worthy. Help us to understand we're not going out to do mission. Wherever we are, we're on mission. Not because we have to, but because we want to, because our lives, Lord, desire that you should be honoured and glorified in the way that we are. And help us, through your Spirit, to empower us for all that you want us to do and to become. You know the front lines that are ahead of us this week. 
For some, they're going to be joyful experiences. For others, they're going to be things that they would rather not do. But Lord, whatever our front line brings to us, that which is good or bad in our eyes, that which is to be enjoyed or to be endured, that which we might think is just tiny or something that's huge, Lord, I pray that when we're on the front line, we'll not miss the opportunity to be fruitful on it for you. Guide us and guard us and keep us as we seek in serving our Shirley to show our Saviour for your glory, for your praise, for now and forever. Amen.